0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW Group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus. Blob Talk Radio.
2: November 15, 2013 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture. Today we're definitely going to do some culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. That's the philosophy behind the uniquely American sense of life, the sense of life of those who believe we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of your own individual happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and joining me back in the studio today is... The person who has become known as the interrupter, Bosch Faustin, cartoonist Bosch Faustin, cartoonist and recovered Muslim Bosch Faustin, I've been told to emphasize today given what we will discuss. Say hello, Bosch.
3: I don't want to interrupt. So I want
2: to... Um, people, I think, enjoy your interruptions. And in fact, I mean, even though sometimes I say, okay, I have to find my train of thought after that interruption. There's something missing when you're not here. I I don't know what it is. So I don't know if I want to do a show anymore when you're not able to be around. So the title of today's show, and I, I wanted to do a rhyming show today. Excuse me if you find it just a little cheese. But Obama administration, lying, denying, overflying, which I'll explain. And then, of course, I had to add in spying, the top headline on dredge for a while today at least was the cia amassing vast swaths of financial data right. on americans so we can't resist talking about that but in addition we will also talk about marvel comics introduction of a muslim superhero and i think Bosch has just a little tiny bit to say about that if you want to join in live and discuss these topics with us You can call in 760-888-5817. That is if you're listening live on Friday over here at Blog Talk Radio, 760-888-5817. You can also join in in the chat room, and I see there are some people joining in over there. So hello, everyone. I see Rob, Matt, Crastio, and he made sure to put his first name there, which is great. Thanks very much. Uh, Daniel, I see also over there. So welcome, everyone. And let's go ahead... And get started. You're going to have to excuse me today because I'm actually going to play clips from Obama. I'm going to make you listen to a little bit of Obama. I mean, as you all know, Obama lied, he says. If you, can, if you like your health care plan, you can keep your health care plan. You've heard this over and over. But here, let me tell you the one thing that you're going to hear from me today in analyzing what Obama said yesterday that I don't think you're going to hear anywhere else Uh, I guess I wasn't scooped on it on Mark Levin or any of these other smart talk show hosts. But there's something that stuck out for me. And I just watched clips on the Wall Street Journal's website, some clips that I'm going to play for you in, in a minute. And one of the clips, the element that I took out of it, Wall Street Journal didn't even highlight as the significant thing. But here's the deal. Obama, he still seems glib to me, even though, you know, oh, he's contrite. He's doing a mea culpa. He's apologizing. He still seems glib to me, and I think I learned why in listening to these clips from Obama. And one of the things that he talked about was the fact that they have succeeded through the healthcare.gov website in identifying people who are eligible for Medicaid. Now, maybe sometimes they're already eligible under the existing pre-Obamacare law, and they just didn't know it. And so what they're doing is they're just shuffling these people on. You know, like they do, they, they advertise the food stamp programs. But also what Obama mentioned explicitly was that in states that have signed on to the Medicaid expansion, and in particular, he cited, appeal to authority, John Kasich, the Republican yeah. governor of Ohio, sellout, yep. turncoat,
3: yep. traitor. yes.
2: He cited specifically Kasich as being instrumental in expanding Medicaid to over 300,000 people. So think about this. People who have signed on to actually pay money for health insurance through healthcare.gov, a bit over 100,000. And actually, I think it's close to 400,000. I think it's it's either close to 350 or 400,000 people who have signed on to Medicaid. Which means, no, not paying for stuff, having government pay for stuff for them, which means if, quote, government is paying for it, who is paying for it? You are. Obama is glib because this stealth thing that's going on, everyone's like, oh, you know, can you keep your health care plan? And, oh, my gosh, you know, they just passed in Congress. Uh, now, with 39 Democrats, the Upton bill that's going to let people keep their health care plan for I don't know how long, you know, whatever, it, it's it's just total disruption and, and chaos. I don't know. Maybe it is going to get the bill to a certain extent. But Obama's got his over 300,000 new people. And he says, wow, you know, if other governors, including Republican governor," John Kasich in Ohio, if other governors agree to this Medicaid expansion along the same lines, he anticipates over 5 million additions to Medicaid. Expand the single-payer program.
3: Christy did the same thing.
2: Expand the unfunded liabilities, the commitments that our federal government has made. I dare you to find someone in the GOP. That's going to be willing to disenroll the additions under Obamacare expansion. Chris Christie's doing it too. Yeah, is that what you're yeah, saying, Bush? I think about. It's a little early for chocolate, so I'm not going to pull out chocolate yeah, when we're talking about Chris about Christie eight, here. But you know, I think about eight Republican
3: governors across the country did do that. They accepted the uh, Medicaid expansion, and within three years, the citizens of those states will be on the hook. Yeah. You know, because right now they're getting all the all, all the dough from the federal government.
2: Matt in the chat room is saying, ugh, the water torture segment comes early today. I'm giving you the worst news right now, but I'm giving it to you because, you know, I, I try to think every so often, if I actually think about my show and what am I doing with my show and what am I offering to you that's different than other people, pointing this out and pointing out the fact that there are few, if any, members of the GOP. Yeah. Who would be willing to undo this massive expansion of entitlement programs, getting in under the radar as far as I can tell by looking at the news and listening to you know what people are talking about i, I got to point that out to you guys, and I mean, I think only an objectivist really has the moral fiber necessary to say that we need to undo this yeah. and that we're willing to That's get people even off of Medicaid and even off of Medicare right. as the actual long-term unapologetic goal yep. so anyway that's that's my little preview but let's let's get into some of these clips because i've booted up these clips for you and i want you know, i've taken some notes on this and i want to go ahead and uh, give you a little bit of insight into obama's world i'm so sorry i mean this is a water torture segment as far as i'm concerned is listening to barack obama but here we go and I th- i think the video is loud enough booted up here for you to to hear
4: with respect to the pledge i made that if you like your plan you can keep it uh i think you know i've said in interviews that um there is no doubt that the way i uh, put that forward unequivocally uh ended up not being accurate it was not because of uh, my intention not to deliver on that commitment and that promise Uh, We put a grandfather clause into the law.
2: Let's pause that for a second there. Okay, so notice that language, right? He says, it ended up not being accurate. Um, Yes. It's the passive voice, you know? That ended up not being accurate. Not, I
3: I lied my ass off 29 times.
2: Right, not, not I said something inaccurate. It ended up not being accurate, right? So there's that. The other thing he talks about, well, his intention, it wasn't his intention. I say BS, and there's plenty of stories out there that are talking. Now, do I have my little mail dinging here? Uh, this is the the perils of the computer. But the, um, you know, his intention, I think is probably consistent with what his knowledge was, if he is doing something, knowing that the thing that he's doing is having a certain effect, and then he's saying things inconsistent with that i I, I would say he's lying about his intention can I, can he could say what his hope is right. his hope, but hope is is empty. I think his intention has to be judged by what he could reasonably foresee the understanding of his words were, plus his knowledge at the time. Well,
3: no, he had to lie to get a pass. If he didn't lie, it wouldn't have got passed. So, therefore, the whole thing was to get a pass, to get socialized in America. That was the whole point. He would do anything and say anything to get there. And for the record, Byron York just wrote a piece today. I don't know where he wrote it, Washington Times. I believe Washington Times or Washington Examiner. And there's uh, proof. It was on Breitbart, actually, linked through Mark Levin on Facebook, that said that um, a number of journalists knew. This was an absolute flat-out lie, and reported otherwise. Right. In order because yeah. they want to socialize America as well. Exactly. This is they were all in on it. It's evil, and uh, he's got caught. You know he got caught now, but he thinks he can still get get away with this.
2: Now let's listen to his grandfather clause rationalization garbage in the speech. But it was insufficient. Uh,
4: keep in mind that the, the, the individual market accounts for five percent of the population
2: only five percent so i said you
1: can keep
4: your health care yeah, obviously I'm, I'm looking at folks who've got employer-based health care i'm looking at folks who've got medicare and medicaid and that accounts for the vast majority of americans and then for people who don't have he- any health insurance at all obviously uh, that didn't apply my commitment to them was you're going to be able to get affordable health care for the first time you have an individual
5: okay
2: so, so listen first of all it's only five percent right. Right. Oh, and, and he and other liberals have said a million times or explicitly Bob Beckel on, on uh, the five has said, that, oh, you know, it's only a certain amount million. of people. And for the noble vision of universal health care for all, I mean, what what is five percent? I think Obama was hoping that these people would just kind of go away and not make much of a stink or any oh, yeah. kind of noise. And there's been a huge amount of noise. I think he has underestimated yeah. the extent to which Americans want to be free to choose I mean, god, it's bad enough they're being forced to buy a product, and then they're not allowed to buy their choice of product within the market, the the thing that they've been happy with for years and years. I don't care how many times they say that it's a junk product or an inferior oh, product. If people chose you. it on the free market, it's better than the one that they're being forced into. Uh, you know, in terms of what they should be free to do. So that that's a bunch of garbage. Yeah. And and then Uh, He's being inaccurate, too, because it's not only individual people who are going to be kicked off. As far as I know, I remember we talked about it a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. There was a Forbes article estimating that if you include the amount of people who are going to be booted off their employer-sponsored plans, it's something like 93 million people are going to be booted. So it's not just some small 5% of the market. And, and he, just, he just figured, oh, things were going to be made magically okay for these people that they would and, – and we'll listen to, yes, to yes, it. You,
3: you, know, you can sacrifice people. That's fine. Yeah. It's, just, it's not everyone, so therefore it's okay.
2: Yeah, Matt in the chat room says, I thought Democrats loved everyone. I guess not. I guess if you bought your own plan, screw you. And I mean that's really yeah. it. And he, he was making a bet that the 5% is not going to amount to much. nobody's really going to care. And he'll just get away with it.
3: And then, and then why are Democrats running like rats? Why? If it, was, if it was a noble thing, a good thing, I mean, why? I mean, I, think, I mean, think about that. Within the next year, they have to defend themselves. None of them will run on it. None of them will run on it for the, for the midterm elections. They will run from it. And they've got to be, the Republicans, you don't expect them to call them on it, except for maybe a Ted Cruz and Mike Lee, which I hope they will for an entire year. I hope so.
2: I hope they do, but I'm not even sure if a Ted Cruz and a Mike Lee would have the stomach... To undo the Medicaid enrollments, and that's really my big concern right now. Let's play more of this jerk.
4: Well, market that accounts for about five percent of the population, and our working assumption was, my working assumption was, that the majority of those folks would find better policies at lower costs or the same costs in the marketplaces, and that there, the, the universe of folks who uh, potentially would not find a better deal in the marketplaces, the grandfather clause would work sufficiently for them.
2: Okay, first of all, I think that's a lie. I think he knew (laughs) that the grandfather clause was not going to work for the so-called universe of people who preferred what they had to the stuff that they're being shoved into on the marketplace. (laughs) State defiance in the chat room is saying, I would fire a moron like this so fast his head would spin. I mean, think about the, yeah, and, the, the and way – this is a president of the United States, and he's supposed to be caring about Americans. And, I mean, even in the private sector where you have the luxury of saying, look, I'm going to try to serve a certain customer base, and I can afford to maybe not serve everybody because I'm not – I mean, that's not my job. His job is to protect the life liberty pursuit of happiness of all individual americans and he's like oh with a substantial segment of them which i'm going to refer to as the universe of folks that fall in a certain category how abstract is that how detached is obama from the individuals who are in the situation where they actually wanted to keep what they had which was real insurance they wanted to keep real insurance
3: um, if I just add something, if I can interrupt you,
2: uh, <laughs>
3: Jonathan Mens- mentions here double speak marketplace equals fascism, and that's absolutely true. I mean, I've never heard these scum, these leftists, ever refer to a marketplace without spitting the word out. Ever until now, right? It took a government uh, takeover of healthcare for them to say the word without spitting it out. They're disgusting.
2: I mean, you know, he he realizes that, for instance, you can't buy this as quickly as you can download a song on iTunes or whatever the hell. This is not a marketplace because, first of all, one of the things they're doing on healthcare.gov, right, they're trying to get you. And even if you go on private health insurance websites, if you now go on private health insurance websites that are designed to help you sign up for any plan, which, you know, whichever one, I think that they are required to ask you whether you want to sign up for an income subsidy hmm. you know, or a, a premium subsidy plan. They want you to put in your financial data and they want you to apply for government assistance. The whole thing is to funnel you in to either get a subsidy or put you on Medicaid. That is what this is about. And I, I guarantee Obama is laughing in the background. He's, he's trying to do his best and we'll play something here in a second. You'll, you can see how hard it is for him. He's trying to you know take responsibility and sound contrite and the blah, blah, blah to the extent that the jerk can. But he is... Laughing in the background because people are being funneled into entitlement programs. Right. Let's go ahead and continue playing the jerk here.
4: And it didn't. And again, that's on us, which is why we're. That's on me.
2: Did you hear that? That's why I'm Wait, let's let's rewind that for a second. Because uh, he he says that's on us, right? And then he had he was going to go on and keep talking. And I'm sure that some policy, whoever handler person he's got told him, no, you have to say that it is your fault. You can't just keep using the plural first person pronoun, the we, the us. Yeah. You have to say I, me, I did. See, that's on me. Now, he didn't say I did something wrong. I mean, even yeah. think about that. That's on me. Yeah. How passive.
3: I mean, if he came out there and said I lied for you i lied for years my entire life but uh now i will i will apologize by repealing <laughs> obamacare I, w- I would believe his apology i would believe it i mean i would he said i will sign a repeal if everyone you know that's an apology
2: he, he won't even sign the upton bill whatever's yeah. in there so come on no but that, that's yeah.
3: the only way he can apologize
2: actually the i think he, way- w- he wouldn't even sign as far as i know the democratic sponsored bill in the senate no. that's supposed to do the fix here
4: i said earlier i guess last week and i will repeat uh, that's something I deeply regret because it's scary getting a cancellation notice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listen to that. Because that was the end of that little clip. It's The reason he regrets it is, is because it's scary getting a cancellation notice, not because it's wrong Immoral. for the government to interfere with people's choices. As I said, it is bad enough that they're forcing you to buy the product. What's worse is that you are not able to buy the product of your choice within that marketplace. Uh, marketplace oh god I can't use their language I cannot no. use their language please stop me do interrupt me Bosh if if yes. I use their language but it is wrong I'm, I'm really tempted to start calling him jackass like Tammy Bruce does because yeah. it is just so flagrant and so horrible so you know here he is that's on us he can't even say that's on me he has to kick himself to say that's on me and that's on me is not I did something wrong yeah. and I'm sorry yeah. He he regrets something. He also said
3: he fumbled the ball. I mean, what a euphemism. You know, fumble the ball in a little game. I just fumbled it. It's it's
2: just a game that they're playing with all these cancer patients that are being canceled. And it it doesn't matter, right? Uh, But, you know, it's scary. This idea that it's it's scary, and that's why he regrets it. He just didn't think about the fact that these people are going to get these notices in the mail that for many people – Health insurance is a very big deal, and probably, especially the people who are on the individual market, they're not employed, they went out of their way to go ahead and buy their own plans, they chose the plan that they liked, that fit their budget, their situation, etc., and then suddenly they get this notice, it's been outlawed, not only do you have to buy insurance, but you can't buy the one that you wanted. He, I think he just underestimated what the reaction was. But then, but then what does scary mean to him? There's all these people that are scared. And who are they going to take it out on? They're going to take it out on the Democrats in the 2014 election. Yes. Oh, my gosh. People are going to make noise. They're going to be upset. They're going to answer the Gallup poll and give me a low approval rating. They're going to put more GOP members into the Senate, into the House in 2014. He regrets it just because it's it's scary for them, not because it's horrible that he's taking away choices from people, that he's interfering with people's right to choose or not whether to buy products on a free market. No, no, that's not what he – he regrets because these people fear – with a feel, they feel an emotion when they get these letters. That's what he regrets. How – Oh, sorry. Not Go that, ahead. They, not that,
3: they, that they would have to live with with that. Just that that feeling for the instant. You know, I feel bad that you felt bad for the instant. That's it. Yeah. You'll be paying a higher price. and all that that doesn't matter. But you felt bad for that second, and it was on me. Yeah. And I feel bad that you felt bad. Right. I'm the I'm the I'm the. I'm the I feel your pain in chief since Bill Clinton. I mean, this is just I feel bad that you felt bad, and that's it. Okay. Are you done? Is it? You know. You know. You got what you wanted.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you satisfied now? Yeah. Because I I feel I hear you. He said in this I other feel your yeah, pain. segment. and let me, let me address one thing. Uh, somebody commented on a show a couple weeks ago. Why is it that I'm going to uh, accept and continue to talk about insurance as gambling? As Jerome Brooke has talked about how insurance right. is sort of a gamble, right. that that makes it somehow seem bad that you're buying insurance or there's a negative connotation. I don't think at all. There are certain things in life that are literally a gamble. Might you fall and break an arm? and require some medical care? Might you yeah. have some sort of genetic predisposition to something that's going to require that you have more medical care? A lot of this, I mean, we have no more control over it than I do if I go to a crafts table or a poker, blackjack, whatever table in Las Vegas. There are certain things. I mean, whether you are, uh, you know, uh, suffering the influence of a horrible storm right? They just had what in the Philippines, right? A huge typhoon.
0: That terrible.
2: terrible. That, this is the luck of the draw. It's gambling. you right. know. Uh, you have a house in Malibu. You have a beautiful house in Malibu and there's fires and mudslides and whatever. There's a lot of things about life that are like gambling. And I don't think if you talk about insurance, pure insurance, where you're right. actually not Paying for health care in advance like Obama wants you to do, but when you're actually buying insurance, I think that's a gamble. And what is he doing with Obamacare? He is outlawing insurance. He's making insurance contraband. So anyway, there's that. I, I, I don't think it's bad to talk about insurance as gambling. That's just my, my two cents here. What do we got here in the chat room? Um, State Defiance says he's waiting for Obama to use his fake southern accent on us. Then he's really going to be convinced for sure. Elliot in the chat room says that what these politicians are scared of is losing power, no doubt. Uh, Jonathan says, risk exists. The insurance is your ability to mitigate it. Yeah. I mean, really what you're doing with gambling in the gambling senses is, is you're taking risks in order to potentially get a huge upside. Right. And here you're trying to mitigate against a potential huge downside. So obviously there's different sides of the coin here. One is more, hopefully, if you're healthy for entertainment purposes. Uh, but the other is, you know, it's gambling in a certain sense. I mean, there's a lot of gambling that goes on in life. And those people who are willing to take risks and, and do so in the right way can get like rewarded. That.
5: That's very good.
2: Robert NYC in the chat room says, To Barack Obama, government help is a metaphysical given. Reality to him is... Arbitrary, and, and I think that's true. If you want to join in and talk, you can call 760-888-5817. Make sure if you do call in to press the button that Blog Talk Radio prompts you to press, which I think is one, if you want to ask a question. Now let's go ahead to the second to last clip. Those of you who for some reason, wanted to actually play the clip on your own. We'll notice I started with the last clip at the link that I gave you at don'tletitgo.com. But here is more Barack Obama. Woohoo!
4: Yesterday, uh, the White House announced that in the first month, more than 100,000 Americans successfully enrolled in new insurance plans. Uh, is that as high a number as we'd like? Uh, absolutely not. But it does mean that. People want affordable health care. The problems of
2: the web... Okay, so more than 100,000 people signed up, and that means that people want affordable health (laughs) care. You're forced. You're being forced. You're told that this is a law. So, you know, this this idea, oh, well, the fact that people did something that they're being forced to do means that they actually want want something? I don't think so. Now, for some of those people, I'm sure that there are some people that couldn't figure out how to find the type of plan that would fit their budget before and for some reason spending a whole bunch of time on healthcare.gov seemed more palatable to them but how many of these people on the hundred and six or whatever are getting subsidies I'd like to know that right uh, let's keep so listening to the, some of the numbers
4: many Americans from completing the enrollment process and that's on us not on them uh, but there's no question that there's real demand for quality affordable Health insurance. Uh, in the first month, nearly a million people Quality. successfully completed an application for themselves or their families. What's uh, it? Those applications. Sure, sure. Let's
2: pause it. Let's pause it. Go Quality right ahead.
3: Quality, affordable health insurance. I'm mean, just, just, just the even, even the no. language.
2: No, I mean, and then he crashes yeah.
3: the health insurance. How do they call them sub, subpar, bad? You know about about the actual, uh, the allegedly pure private sector. Health insurance, which the government was already in. oh
2: yeah oh yeah yeah we'll we'll de- we're definitely going to get get to that in a moment. But this idea, you know, you've had over a million people complete the enrollment and then decide ah eh, maybe I won't go for a plan. Only a hundred thousand or so went for the plan. First of all, I'd like to know how many of those people who actually went for the plan are getting subsidies so that it's very cheap for them, right? These are the not the Medicaid people that he's talking about. He'll talk about those in a second, but maybe. The rest of those didn't sign up yet because they realized they have to pay for it. That's right, that's right. <laughs> you know, let's go ahead and listen on to see what Obama's explanation is.
4: Represent more than 1.5 million people. Of those 1.5 million people, uh, 106,000 of them have successfully signed up to get covered. Uh, another 396,000 uh, have the ability to gain access to Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act.
2: 396,000, nearly 400,000 are being steered into Medicaid after visiting healthcare.gov. And he says, he's saying it's specifically due to the Affordable Care Act. So Ken Gardner on Twitter, you know, he said today how the Upton bill that was just passed in the House is going to be the undoing of Obamacare and everybody should really be watching it and how wonderful it is. And I ask you, is that going to undo these nearly 400,000 people right. who are already due to Obamacare being told that they have access to the expanded Medicaid program? And he he wrote back and he says, well, I think that maybe they were already eligible, blah, blah, blah. Obama seems to be saying that they're newly eligible simply due to Obamacare. Right. This, to me, is a little bit of a Trojan horse. Yeah. And everyone's talking about, oh, can you keep your health care plan? This is huge, yeah. I think. So let's, let's keep listening to The Jerk. Uh,
4: that's been less reported on, but it shouldn't be. You know, Americans who
2: That's right, it shouldn't are,
4: be. ...have a difficult time, uh, who are poor, many of them working, uh, may have a disability. Uh, they're uh, Americans like everybody else, uh, and the fact that they are now able to get insurance is going to be critically important. Uh, later today I'll be in Ohio where Governor Kasich, uh, a Republican, has expanded Medicaid under the Affordable
0: Care Act.
2: Listen to that where Governor Kasich, Kasich, a Republican, has expanded Medicaid under the – so he's doing a blatant appeal to authority.
3: By the way, Kasich got it bad. I remember on his Facebook page, on everywhere, he, he got smashed. People were absolutely betrayed, and they let him have it. He won't make it in the next election. He won't.
2: No. Jonathan Honig in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio is asking, is there anybody I'm not required to sacrifice myself to? Mm. Apparently not, according to Obama. And I'd really like to see the Republicans who have the guts to stand up to him when he says, oh, the people who have disabilities and they're not able to work and they're injured or whatever it is, and they're just as much Americans as anybody else. And I mean, really, they should listen to him. Like I said, Wall Street Journal, who published this video clip as significant, did not in the accompanying article point out how significant it is that there's nearly 400,000 new enrollees. So listen to what his hope is for being able to get even more signed up if you just happen to follow the example of Republican Kasich in Ohio
4: and as many as 275,000 Ohioans will ultimately be better off because of it.
2: 275,000 of those are simply through Ohio alone. That's what he just said. Keep listening.
4: And if every governor followed suit, another 5.4 million Americans could gain access to
2: health care. Listen to that. If every governor followed suit, 5.4 million new enrollees in Medicaid
0: Right.
2: talk about further entrenching an entitlement program
3: that is already bankrupt I,
2: I want Senator Ted Cruz to talk about this and in, in particular I think Cruz is planning to propose a free market alternative along with a repeal and I want to know is that repeal gonna undo this expansion of Medicaid it has to it, it, it's crazy and Daniel in the chat room here he says uh what he's referring to is the Medicare expansion the ACA which which the court defanged. He says that's why he acknowledged the governor's move to expand it in his state. He wouldn't have had a choice under the original legislation. I mean that that's to the good at least. But then here he is. He's saying, look, I've got this Republican sucker in Ohio, this sucker, Kasich, (laughs) and, you know.
0: No, because he
3: loves uh, sellout Republicans, and he always uses them. And he hates Republicans, but he's like, I can use this sucker. You're right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So here he is using him, and he wants to get this expansion to 5.4 million additional people in Medicaid. And it's not Medicare, Daniel. I mean, just, you know, parsing. To finally maybe here but Medicaid is just for people who are poor in general it's not even for people above a certain age so let's uh, let's continue this
4: Next year so bottom line is in just one month despite all the problems that we've seen with the website more than 500,000 Americans uh, could know the security of health care by January 1st many of them for the first time in their lives and that's life changing oh Oh my God. That still leaves Left about ending. one million Americans who successfully made it through the website, now qualified by insurance, but haven't picked a plan yet. Uh, and there's no question that if the website were working uh, as it's supposed to, that number would be much higher.
2: Ha, ha ha He says, "There's no question that if the website were working as it was supposed to, the number would yeah. be higher." Yeah. Lie, 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 lie! But also blaming the was, website. It,
3: but also blaming the website. He says something. Right. About, he goes, "I've got burned before." I mean, it wasn't me. I mean, he says, "I wasn't even told about it."
2: Right, it's a lie, I'm right not, But but imagine. So what this. does he lie? Imagine this. Imagine saying, "Oh well, it's it's only because they couldn't make it through." Now these people successfully enrolled on the website, and I guarantee they experienced sticker shock realized that they weren't getting the subsidy that they wanted they went oh my god how in the world am i going to add this into my budget and they left the website and (laughs) they have no idea what to do next they are being compelled by their government to buy a product and they don't know how in the world they're going to afford it that's what's happening to those million people you jerk so let's continue with the jerk
4: people who've actually enrolled so That's problem number one, making sure that the website works the way it's supposed to. It's gotten a lot better uh, over the last few weeks than it was on the first day, but we're working 24-7 to get it working for the vast majority of Americans uh, in a smooth, consistent way. The other problem uh, that has received a lot of attention concerns Americans who have received letters from their insurers that they may be losing the plans they bought in the old individual market uh, often because they no longer meet the law's requirements to cover basic benefits like prescription drugs or doctor's visits.
2: Okay, stop there. So the reason is that they don't live up to the, the requirements of the Affordable Care Act, right? Ha, ha, ha. And he's trying to tell you, you know, what are the requirements that it doesn't live up to? Oh, it doesn't pay for prescription drugs or doctor's visits. Notice that he's left out, all of the controversial requirements under the plan. So for instance, do you buy health insurance because you want to have automatic psychiatric mm. care or psychological counseling, med- you know, as they call it, mental health benefits? Some people want those in their plan, some people they don't. Under Obamacare, all the plans have to provide that. Uh, other controversial things are of course, maternity care for 67 year old males who will never use it, right. or you know, uh, the the free contraceptives that you're supposed to be getting under every single plan. And Bosch told me something that I just found unbelievably disgusting this week, which is that they're doing really tasteless ads about, well, I've got free uh, birth control, so now if I could just find it's the guy, guy and get laid, everything's yeah. going to be cool. Is this this yeah, really exist?
3: It's it's. I mean, they're appealing to Obama voters. And they think Obama voters are lowlifes who just have promiscuous sex. And they were exploiting that. And uh, I saw a picture of it. It's a, it's a girl like, yeah, I'm going to get this guy. It's, just, it's pretty shocking, actually. I mean, it is. It, it is flat-out shocking. This is you know, taxpayer-paid advertisements to promote promiscuity.
2: You know, I mean, as an objectivist, I do not want the government you know, telling you things about how you should run your sex life or anything. But I certainly don't want government or my tax dollars promoting promiscuity. I mean, that is just disgusting.
3: Holly has an actual quote from the ad. Quote, the girl says, I hope this guy is as easy as getting my birth control. <laughs> <laughs> and she's looking like sneaky, like, Yeah. He's uh, allegedly hot. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just a you know,
2: I'd like to tell the girl, I'd like to tell the girl that getting the guy is definitely easier than getting your birth control if you take getting your birth control within the total context of a government yeah. takeover of medicine. Yeah. It is not going to be easy on anyone. We are all getting screwed. Let me continue more with this clip and then I'll go ahead and take a caller.
4: Now, uh, as I indicated uh, earlier, I completely get... How upsetting this can be for a lot of Americans It's upsetting. Particularly after assurances they heard from me that uh, if they had a plan that they liked they could keep it uh, and to those Americans I hear you loud and clear he I hears you said that I would do everything we can to fix this problem and today I'm offering an idea that will help do it here's the thing uh, already people who have plans that predate the Affordable Care Act can keep those plans if uh, they haven't changed that was already in the law. That's what's called a grandfather clause that was included in the And that's like zero people. Today we're going to extend that principle both to people whose plans have changed since the law took effect and to people who bought plans since the law took effect. So state insurance commissioners still have the power to decide what plans can and can't be sold in their states, but the bottom line is
2: insurance... Punt, punt, punt. Did you hear that? He says... Well, we're going to just, you know, write some decree. I don't know if it's executive order, administrative ruling, whatever the hell. We're going to send it out there and let the state insurance commissioners take the blame if the plans are no longer sold. And then if the state commissioners go ahead and tell the companies, well, you can sell those plans to these people. And then the companies don't do it anymore because it can't be integrated into the total of their financial picture anymore because they've rejiggered their entire financial picture around the gun that was being pointed at them by Barack Obama, right? If that happens, then what? Then the insurance companies get blamed. Maybe they go out of business. If the Democrat in the Senate, I forget her name, Landria or whatever her name is, she, if she gets her way, they would pass a bill requiring, not allowing, but requiring the insurance companies to continue to sell the old plans, which I bet they can't afford to do any longer because of all the rest of the crap that's in this monstrosity. Let's let our dear leader continue with his tripe. Well, i got to click the button again. The can go.
4: extend current plans that would otherwise be canceled into 2014, and Americans whose plans have been canceled can choose to re-enroll in the same kind of plan.
2: All through 2014. Long how nice. Also, requiring
4: insurers to extend mm-hmm. current plans to inform their customers about two things: one, that protections—what uh, protections? These renewed plans don't include. Number two, that the marketplace offers new options with better coverage and tax credits that might help you bring down the cost.
5: Okay, so so
2: so, so listen, listen to that. Listen to that. He is going to, yeah, okay, we'll let you sell these plans. But then when you sell them, you have to send little letters to all your enrollees saying, oh, by the way, this plan doesn't provide XYZ that Obama is trying to require us to provide you. So basically, they're requiring the insurance companies to say our product is inferior to what you can get via the government. And moreover, they have to make explicit the fact that the government might give them a subsidy to get these plans that give them more free stuff, funnel more people into the entitlement system, funnel them in, funnel them in. So Obama wants Obama wants this particular so-called fix to be the one. He doesn't want whatever legislative solution that Congress or Senate, the House or the Senate, might pass and bring to his you know, desk for signing. He doesn't want that stuff. He wants this one because first of all, he wants it to be temporary, he wants to be in total control of it in case anything goes wrong and he wants those insurance companies to be free advertising agencies for this huge entitlement program. So let's continue with a little bit more.
4: These letters. I'd encourage you to take a look at the marketplace. Even if the website isn't working as smoothly as it should be for everybody yet, the plan comparison tool that lets you browse costs for new plans near you is working just fine. Now, this fix won't solve every problem for every person but it's going to help a lot of people uh, doing more will require work with Congress and I have said Wait,
2: Listen to that. doing more will require work with Congress there are plenty of people who are saying that even doing that he should be going through Congress and that he is usurping his constitutional authority by doing this we'll get to that in a minute continue a little beginning.
4: more I'm willing to work with Democrats and Republicans to fix problems as they arise this is an example of what I was talking about We can always make this law work better. It is important to understand, though, that the old individual market uh, was not working well. And it's important that we don't pretend that somehow that's a place uh, worth going back to.
2: The old individual market was not working well. Define working, Mr. President. Define working. That's what we're going to listen to in the next clip, because in the next clip, he talks about what is working. Now, I was going to take a caller, but unfortunately, I think the person lost enthusiasm hearing Barack Obama, which I actually don't blame you if you're on hold and you're listening to Barack Obama, but if you do want to call back in and and chat about it, (sighs) Elliot in the chat room says, another Obama clip, start shoveling. I've got only one more clip, and I think it's mercifully shorter than this one. Jonathan in the chat room says, literally making it up as he goes along, which is a sign of pragmatism. Yeah, all the top leaders, they want to be pragmatists. This is why Chris Christie, and no, it's too early for me to eat chocolate as I mentioned him, but Chris Christie and Obama are buddies because they're both pragmatists. And being either on the right-hand side of the aisle, the left side of the aisle, whatever you want to call it, being on both sides at the same time as Christie is, doesn't matter if you're a pragmatist you're probably going to end up in nearly the same place because what is the default morality for a pragmatist when they say, is something working? The default morality is altruism. We'll talk about that in a a little bit here. Yeah, define market, says Jared in the chat room. Yeah, there was no free market in healthcare before this. Absolutely not. They they act as if there was a free market before this. And and it was was a market distorted by government intervention.
3: If only someone at the press conference knew that enough to tell them if only someone did. And maybe someone did, but they're just too cowardly to mention it. Who knows? It's terrible.
2: Yeah, nobody, nobody even has a sense of history in terms of pre-Medicare, pre-Medicaid. That's just too far back. And conveniently, when you are in history classes, especially in the, in the government schools, usually the history classes are running behind. And then what gets short shrift? Recent history that might actually give you a sense or a context for what's going on in the United States today, Uh, uh, the ability to evaluate it. What else do we got here going in the chat? Yeah, Obamacare is the fix. And that's what I say. I say the fix is already in. The fix is already in. He's got his 396,000 is what he said who are going to be signed up to Medicaid, 275,000 of them alone in Ohio Thanks to Turncoat, Republican, Kasich. Okay. So he's got those people expanding this entitlement program already. hundred and six thousand that he cited as having signed up. He doesn't talk about whether they're getting subsidies. I bet a lot of them are. Like <laughs> big proppers, big time radio says the world was a complete shambles before January twentieth, two thousand nine. Of course. Fundamentally fundamentally transform America, right? And That's the what wolves. he's doing. That's what he's doing. Brohio helping us all get brochurance, says Matt in the chat room. And that's exactly right. So let me go ahead and go to the one last clip that I would like to play today. I promise. And actually, you know what I'm going to do on this one? Just to save you the boredom and the horribleness, I am going to forward this up to a certain point into the video. So let me get up to a minute and 20 that I'm going to spare you. And here we go. It should play, I hope. Come on. Play, Obama. Play. Do your thing. No? Okay. I pause it. And then I hit play again. Oh, it doesn't like me. It wants me to suffer.
3: No, I think the computer is sick of Obama.
2: The computer is yeah. probably sick of Obama. Yeah, he just failed. Okay, wait. Okay, here, here. It'll, it'll give me this
1: one, maybe?
2: Okay, here we go. Maybe. Come on, Obama. Play for us. Good. It's evil. It's evil, I tell you. Maybe it's not loading fast enough. I don't know.
3: No, the, the computer's sick. Is it? Yeah. Anyway, He, he needs Obamacare for a Let me
2: Let me go to my notes and see if I can tell you what he says. And, and do go to that clip. Go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com. I always have program notes there. I give you links to all the stories that I talk about on the show. And the first Wall Street Journal story that talks about the five takeaways it has the clips. And what I did today is I started with the clip at the very bottom and I worked my way up. And on this particular clip, the third clip, let me see if I can find – yeah, here it is. Okay, so he talks about, you know, blah, blah, blah for the first minute and 20 about the improvements that you'll see at healthcare.gov. Who cares? Uh, He says, you know, he wants people to know what their options are in a clear way, as if government's ever made anything clear to anybody, but whatever. Then he says, you know, uh, there's, every presidency is going to have ups and downs. I'm not a perfect man. Um, I'm working as hard as I can. He says he's working <laughs> as hard as, as he can on behalf of those people who are struggling.
3: I'm golfing as hard as I can.
2: If you are part of the struggling people, Obama's working for you. If you're part of the people who are actually succeeding on your own and just need your rights protected, mm-hmm. screw you. Yes. Uh, he's working all day long, as hard as he can, which some people say is not very hard,
1: really? on, on
2: behalf of those people who are struggling. He wants to make things better for folks, you know, because that's your job, right, for government to make things better. No, if you are part of government, your job is to protect individual rights, to protect people from initiation of force, period. You're not going to make things better. And, of course, I think history has shown that any attempt to, quote, make things better for people has always made things worse for everybody. They need to stop doing this. They need to study some history. What he does say in that clip, though, he says, we can't go back to the status quo. And what is he saying there? He's telling everybody, look, I'm not going to sign a repeal. I'm not going to sign anything that significantly moves us in the direction of repeal. He won't go back to the status quo. Why? He says because it hasn't worked. What is the status quo? He says the status quo before the Affordable Care Act was not working at all. And then he defines working. He says if. On the so-called free market that existed before the Affordable Care Act which as I said it was not a free market significant significant substantial intervention already existed he says if everybody had high quality health insurance at affordable prices if everybody had high quality health insurance at affordable prices then hey he would just left everything well enough alone there is no high quality Health insurance. What and actually mean? and he doesn't mean that. If you yeah. listen to him what they mean? He, he interchangeably yeah. uses the words health care exactly right. health care plan right. and health insurance. High
3: quality health insurance. He doesn't what the hell under-
2: does that mean? He, he doesn't want people to understand the difference between health insurance no. and health care. No first exactly. Of
3: all. He wants to, to smudge it, yes.
2: So his idea of, of a high quality health insurance policy is one that prepays for a whole bunch of health care, much of which most of us
5: won't use.
3: And this uh, him spitting at the pre Obama Healthcare system in this in this country for as long as it's ever, the greatest in history, it's just it's it's um, I'd say it's shocking. But then you know him. So.
2: He he say he's not going back. He's not going to go back. He's not going to sign any of these bills. Well, the fundamental transformation he, of America. He's willing to work with people to make it better to fix it, but that's it. Forget it. You know when he when he talks about you know I, I urge you to go on to the marketplace if you got a letter blah blah blah. They should have hired John Hamm. I think to just go ahead and give that speech because he was, right. he, he's just doing an ad.
5: Right.
2: He, he's saying, I come on, come on and be part of the entitlement program. Yeah. If he can get you over to healthcare.gov and he can get you to put your income level into the little boxes and share that information, he's
3: the guy then
2: guy they can show you, look, you can get subsidies. Look, you can be part of the expanded Medicaid. Wow, doesn't that sound cool and awesome? Please join our single payer. Yeah. Phenomenon. I'm thinking that this has probably made more progress towards advancing the single-payer model than when they've allowed, for instance, health savings accounts um, and other sorts of free market things. That I don't think those have have worked as quickly. But, you know, people are out there. They're saying, oh, everyone's so upset with Obama because – You know, he didn't keep the promise that you keep your plan if you like your plan. And we're going to fix that. And, you know, everyone's going to run on the idea that, you know, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan and we'll just fix everything. He's already got nearly 400,000 people in the Medicaid and he's promised subsidies to another 100,000 maybe. So he's got people sucked into the entitlements. He is I was going to say laughing all the way to the bank. But he laughs all the way to the bank, too. Him yeah. and all the other politicians that are going to oh, yeah. make money off oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah,
3: they make a killing off it.
2: Yeah. So do you want to interrupt me now, Bosch? It's time to interrupt me. I got nothing. You got nothing?
3: No, I'm sick of Ob- Obamacare. I mean, I'm, ge- I'm getting sick, and Obamacare is a cure. Therefore, I'll get worse.
2: And in terms of the article, I already pointed out before that there is at least one significant difference between the Republican proposed fix in the House and the Democrat proposed fix in the Senate. The Democrat proposed fix in the Senate has a requirement that insurance companies continue to offer the same plan. So insurance companies insurance are, companies
3: have changed. They went out of business. Yeah. <laughs> they they settled on Obamacare and said, Okay, we're we're preparing ourselves for that horror that's coming. And now they say, uh, no, actually, do the same thing you did before because people are pissed at us. And we need to win the midterms.
2: That's it. Yep, and, and the Wall Street Journal also points out that he is passing the ball to the states, that he's going to put it on the states' shoulders if those plans are not reissued to the people for whom they were canceled. Can I interrupt
3: you for one thing, though?
2: Of course.
3: Uh, I'm getting sick of people, I don't care if they're on the right or left, who say uh, Obama's losing his credibility. Losing his credibility, he never had it, ever, never had any credibility, not an ounce, a pretense at it, possibly. Losing his credibility, it's long gone. It never existed. Yes. Enough of this crap.
2: You know, the, the other thing, too, It, it just, it's interesting. The, the Democrats, they are kind of standing back and they're trying to see yeah. where the wind blows, yes, yes, in effect. Are. 39 Democrats That's in the why House sorry. Voted That's why Harry Reid has
3: Washington. shut his trap. He hasn't said a word. He yes, yeah. he's waiting and seeing.
2: Waiting and seeing. House Minority Leader, according to the second Wall Street article, uh, Wall Street Journal article that I posted over at don'tletitgo.com, House Minority Leader is was meeting with House Democrats Thursday afternoon to gauge support for Mr. Obama's plan and a backup legislative strategy. And then listen to what she says. Um, she says, uh, she says, the trick is to, quote, make sure you're not sowing seeds for higher costs to other people down the road. She says, so this is not just about PR or I need a vote. It's right. about what we do and how the safe, that safeguards the affordability of this down the road. So, it so it's not, this is Pelosi. This is not just about PR or that I need a right. vote. So she's admitting that it is about right. PR right. and that does. she does need a vote. We've got a call over here at Blog Talk Radio. Hi, who's this? Hi,
1: Amy. It's Debbie. Hey, Debbie.
2: Hi, Debbie. You know, I was going to read the comment that you made over at uh, my page on, on, fa- on Facebook. Let me go ahead over to that because I posted the story, I think it was yesterday, the Associated Press story about Obama allowing, you know, re- permitting, permitting companies to actually sell a product, right? Right. Um, And and, and I speculate, I said, well, you know, can these companies even afford to sell these plans anymore after all the other regulations in the Affordable Care Act? And, of course, there's a whole bunch of awesome comments that I would like to discuss, but one of them is from you, and you say – So now we're living in a country where if enough people beg the dear leader not to take something away from them, he may, in his infinite benevolence, decide to allow them permission to keep it for another year. Until the next election, after which time, if enough Democrats are elected, Zero's agenda will be advanced at breakneck speed and a destruction ten times worse mercilessly imposed upon us. So, Deborah, I say well said.
5: Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's... uh quite an outrage Um, and actually this is a perfect uh, context for my reason for calling because um, I've been in uh, at work today so you may have mentioned this already but um, I have heard all morning like on the way to the gym and that kind of thing on the news about how uh, zero has been saying that Obamacare is a burden on Democrats. Not on the American people, oh, on yeah. Democrats who <laughs> yeah. need to get reelected, and it's just such a burden on them.
2: And he, I, yeah, I just, he, he did say that not, too. He said that too. They're
3: not thinking. Yeah. They're just saying it. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think he did. I, I, he he probably sounded more contrite with respect that. to that, <laughs> right. than with respect to the mere 5% of the insurance market that were the individual plans where people got those scary cancellation records. What's so the whole thing he was concerned, not, not, not that the plan right. was canceled, but that getting that letter was scary.
3: No, he wants to have a wide-open power base the way he did in his first two years, in his last two years, and yeah. it's just not happening. And he, that's what yeah, he's doing so, right
5: now. Yeah, I agree. And like, so I believe that he really is contrite about that. I think that he yep. sincerely right. regrets the fact that it's been a burden on Democrats who are trying to get reelected.
2: No, I, I think that's true. And I don't know what's going to happen, but what I do know is he's already entrenched further a massive entitlement program in the form of Medicare, Good. Good luck even getting GOP members yes. who are willing to boot off those 396,000 people that he bragged about yesterday. That he, you know, they've got them now on to Medicare thanks to Obamacare. So, I, I, what, what's your prediction, Debbie? What do you think?
5: Oh boy, uh, I uh, I've been a little bit more pessimistic lately as far as the Republicans are concerned, and uh, they've just given me so many reasons to be. Uh, they just, they're so inept when it comes to making it any kind of headway in the right direction, and it's like you said, once anyone gets any kind of free stuff from the government, then the Republicans are pretty much done in terms of resisting it, because they just not not one of them. Maybe Ted Cruz. I don't know. We'll see. But but not a one that I've seen has been willing to face a Democrat who says, "Oh, but there's such and such needy people who are getting handouts, and their handouts are going to get taken away. What do you? You must want to kill people, that kind of thing." And I've never seen them be able to actually counter that and take anything resembling a stand. On yeah. It. So, and I mean, well,
2: well, hell, you know, a Republican governor in Ohio signed on for it. So how can you, if you are a Republican, possibly oppose it, right?
5: <laughs> yeah, that's the point, because you're obviously part of, well, we are obviously a part of the, uh, what are they calling us, the terrorists from the Tea Party and the, uh, the uh, um, there's a word that they've been using, and now I can't remember, wacko birds. I think that came from John McCain. Oh, Um, yeah. Lunatic, extreme extremists who want poor people to die because we don't support government programs, obviously, if we don't agree with even Republicans like John Kasich.
2: Exactly, exactly. Deborah, I'm going to go ahead and let you go because we're at the bottom of the hour now, or the bottom of my show, actually, which is the end of the first hour. I just want to make a couple more points. One is... I hate to say it, but John Boehner was right in talking about this fix of the president's in reaction. He says what Americans need is some sort of unambiguous Guidance as to what is and isn't legal. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have time to go back to the well, quote. Well, you're saying but, it better than him. Well, I mean, what would be the most unambiguous thing that you could have, right? And, and and he's right because he's like, well, we'll extend it for these two categories that you can't understand of people through 2014. And then I heard a story that well, they might even be opening, you know, open to extending it further, but of course they're not going to commit now because maybe they'll get what they want in their elections. So who cares? What would be the most clear and unambiguous thing is for government to get out of the medical industry entirely.
1: Yes.
2: Just get them out of health care. Government is force.
1: Ta-coos. Government
2: government cannot produce cheap, low-quality health care. Government is force. All force can do is prevent people from doing what they would want to do on a free market. So I think if you get, out of, you get government out of health care, you let people know that they are free to do anything so long as they don't initiate force or commit fraud against other people, that will be the true fix.
3: The only answer that I think Ted Cruz and Mike Lee can give if they're asked outright, what's your plan? Free market. Free market, free market.
2: Cruz is, is promising to propose an alternative, and we are going to parse it. We are going very to parse simple, it.
3: simple, very clear, yeah. you know, just say it, and then tell us some more. But just say that. If you say that, and you believe it, and we believe you, he has a great basis for 2016. I mean, right now, it's 2014 to get backup for Mike Lee and uh, Ted Cruz. That's the whole point right now, 2014, get them some backup. Get the coward Republicans out, exactly. at, least a, at least a good number of them, Exactly. to prepare the stage for 2016.
2: You are listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. I'm Amy Peekoff, and with me in the studio here is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. And all first hour I was torturing people with listening to Obama and delivering the bad news, the truly bad news, even if people are celebrating today about the passage of the Upton bill in the House, even though 39 Democrats also voted for that bill, and even if that bill will achieve a significant undoing of the Obamacare legislation. Obama has already got the goodies. He already has 396,000 people signing up for Medicaid, 275,000 of them thanks to GOP, John Kasich, governor in Ohio. And he's trotting that out as an achievement. He is holding up Kasich as an example to other governors to follow. And he calculates that if he can get that done, over five million more will be added to the Medicaid rolls next year. Massive expansion of government entitlement program done, completed, no matter what happens, no matter what happens. And I think he will have destroyed, I mean, you know, imagine any version. I don't care if you get the, we will allow you to sell the plan or we will require you to sell the old plan insurance company version of legislation. Either way, the whole thing is, hey, I'm going to get these insurance companies out of business. Obama, I mean, just imagine him rubbing his hands greedily in the back room after giving the speech. He's like, yeah, you know, we put this um, uh, administrative ruling out there saying that they can sell those plans, but if they sell those plans, they have to serve as advertising agencies for the marketplace. So not only are we going to have them do something that's probably not financially feasible for them right now, we're going to make them advertise for the very government that's been pointing a gun at them in the process. I mean, it, anyway, yeah. I, I'm going to stop. And the person that I'm going to let rant now is Bosch, who wants to discuss a very different but equally outrageous topic. <sighs> are we ready for this one?
3: I guess. Um,
2: what what I do want you to do definitely I'm going to be skipping a couple links here in order to do this. Uh, maybe at the end if we have time we'll go back because I, I I really liked Ben Sass. He is a candidate for the Senate, a Republican candidate for Senate, over at uh, in Nebraska. And if you see the link at my blog over at DontLetItGo.com, you will be able to watch the YouTube video in which he says that there is a now constitutional crisis because Obama was, in effect, go back to the title of my show, overflying. He is going beyond his authority in doing this. People in the chat room are saying that my sigh should be sold as a ringtone. Not
3: people. Elliot.
2: <laughs>
3: Elliot said that. You don't
2: want my sigh as a ringtone, boss? Sure. I, I am offended. I
3: already have it. What are you talking about? You just never heard it.
2: Yikes. I've okay. Se-
3: I've been selling it, though. I'm
2: going to sigh it. My but, sigh but being sold as a but ringtone. I've been selling it. That's the problem. Oh, you're making money off my side. Yeah. Speaking of which, go buy t-shirts. Find out at my blog. Yes. Um, we have a t-shirt for this show. We have a t-shirt for the Ayn Rand bot as well. You can find it at my blog. Sell, sell, sell. Okay. Um, ben Sass. Ben Sass, he's running for Senate. He has a very excellent video describing why what Obama has done with this fix is unconstitutional, should not be allowed. There's also a nice little article that says, uh, this is from Andrew McCarthy, that Obama is committing right. a massive fraud on the American people and that Obama could be prosecuted, should be prosecuted. Should be.
3: He says whether there's appetite now, uh, this is the...
2: Yeah, impeachment is the, is the, is the remedy yes, right now. Exactly and right. It's a political, not, not a legal and remedy. And
3: <laughs> since there are cowards in the Republican Party, it's a long shot, but we'll see.
2: Uh, then, of course, the, that the fix could make it worse. There is an article talking about how the fix could make it worse. And that those uh, statistics and such were also discussed in the AP article that I linked to over on Facebook. In essence, the companies will not be able to afford to offer, continue to offer these plans. Why? Because they're having to offer to everybody else so much coverage that one of the things that they were promised is that everybody would have to buy, prepay for all of this health care. If suddenly there's a swath of the people who don't have to prepay for all this health care, don't have to pay for the higher right. premiums, et cetera, I think he's really trying to put them out of business faster oh, yeah. and, like I said, make them be advertising agencies for his entitlement exactly program right. at the same time. Right. It, it's even, you know, people people are Cheering, they're saying, "Oh, Obama's Obamacare is unraveling even faster than we thought. How great!"
0: Yes.
2: And as long as Obama gets all those people sign up for Medicaid, he doesn't give a crap. Nope. He doesn't care, and that's why he's so glib. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. I refer you as the next link to the blog post of Bosch Fostens over at Fosten.blogspot.com. It is U.S. Comics in Wartime Then and Now. And you have a very stark image there, Bosch, yeah. of a Captain America cover. Punching Hitler. From World War II. Yeah, you have Captain America punching Adolf Hitler. And what do we have today where we have a war declared against us by jihadists, even though our country doesn't dare to declare a war against the jihadists? Uh, what do we have today? We have Miss Marvel number one, where Miss Marvel is as everybody's been talking about on every single talk show all over the place. I heard it on NPR even. Ms. Marvel is now a Muslim. Yep. Tell us about this, boss.
3: Well, Miss Marvel is a character from Marvel for decades. Uh, I don't remember the character specifically, but I know that her name was Miss Marvel, so they're giving that uh, name to a Muslim. Why? Because they always... It's like when they had the Green Lantern, the DC turned one Green Lantern Muslim. They, they want pre-existing, already established superheroes so they can... Uh, Give them a leg up, you know what I mean? Because Muslim superheroes on their own, they don't sell. And they still don't sell, even when they're surrounded by an entire team. But Marvel, uh, you know, this is, to me, it's insidious because there was an editor at Marvel, a Muslim editor, who, uh, another editor said, she was talking about her background, we were laughing, we said, hey, let's do this now. I think she strategically has been working there for a while to try to push a Muslim superhero. And whether she's a, you know, a sympathizer of jihad, it doesn't matter. Uh, she wants to push a religion in mainstream comics—a religion that happens to be at war with America at this time—and it's just it's it's, it, it's flat out evil. And you know you got you got superheroes, you got villains, and if you t- if you take it seriously, if you take a, if you take a, an actual Islamic hero, what's an what's a hero according to Islam? A jihadist who murders people, who murders infidels—that's what a hero is. Marvel's version fights who? I don't know. It fights uh, some. I don't know. I mean, uh, some villains that are that Captain America would fight. I I don't know what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I, mean,
3: I, I can go on it, and it, on. It, I mean, they, I, they
2: will they will basically fight whoever the politically correct villain yeah. of the day is, and it's going to be somebody made up and fantastic and never existing. And right? this
3: Muslim quote unquote superhero uh, will not be a Muslim. She will not be a Muslim. She will not live like a Muslim. And the only thing that you know she has a quote unquote conservative brother, me, and a, a, a devout Muslim. Uh, the only way that they will allow her from not being honor killed is because she has superpowers, like because he can't kill her, you know. So physically, she should be protected by her from, from her brother. Uh, I, I'm going to ramble because I've been, I've been really um, angry about this.
2: Well, let me, so let me ask you. So we've got Marvel announcing that there's a Muslim superhero. They're just following in the mind, steps of DC Comics yes, that yes, did DC it for three years. Right?
3: Now, keep in mind also, they advertised her out of the gate as a Muslim superhero. It's a Muslim editor behind us, a Muslim writer behind us. And they say, oh, it has, doesn't have a lot to do with, with Islam. Has of course there no.
2: Has there ever been another superhero advertised no. as belonging to a particular never. religion? Never. never. Ever.
3: Okay. Uh, there are some heroes happen to be from Israel. Some heroes are, you know, happen to be possibly connected with the, with the Christianity, but never this explicit. On the cover, she has uh, kafia, which is a terrorist scarf that Araf- Arafat made famous, a terrorist. And she has a, uh, three books. One of them is a hadith which is the doings, a collection of the doings and sayings of, of who? Muhammad, who was a terrorist. So they're pushing in our face, down our throat, Islam, without pushing Islam down our throat. Same time. You
2: know what You know what I'm noticing as I'm looking at these book covers, the spines of the book covers on the Ms. Marvel cover here? Well, it has no spine, I'm joking. Yeah, H- history is very easy to read. But the Hadith yes. to live by, yeah. it is very – Widely covered, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, the, uh, the contrast it was between fell. the text right. and the background definitely is Definitely felt
3: because you know, if you don't know Islam, you don't know that. You're like, oh, whatever. And
2: then what's this illustrated something or another? I don't GP? know. She might be an artist. Like okay. uh, she
3: might be an you know. artist. But, but the fact is we're being sold again uh, Islam uh, as, as it's not. You know, it's, 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 it's it marvels marvelous version of Islam.
2: Yeah, so tell me, tell me what's wrong with this. I mean, why is Well, is, is
3: wrong because we're at war, first of all. We are at war. Muslims are killing non-Muslims every single day. Check out this one website, religionofpeace.com. It gives you a statistics every single day, whether it's one Muslim or ten Muslims, every single day Muslims are killing non-Muslims in the name of Islam. And this is supposed to tell us that, you know what, don't worry about that. That's not important. What's important is that there are Americans uh, who are Muslim, and they're nice people. Yeah, they don't uh, define a the religion, they don't live the religion, but, you know, it's now important what, to show that. I'm
2: going to play a little sure, devil's advocate please. here. What about the person who says that there are people who call themselves Muslims in, in America, that they, they are nice people, I have cousins. and maybe what we're doing is we're just doing a little outreach to those people.
3: I have cousins who are good people. They happen to think that they're Muslim, even though they're not. They eat pork, they have dogs, they do everything that's un-Islamic. They, are, they like me. Who uh, I'm anti-Islam, anti-jihad. I have a superhero named Pigman, uh, ex-Muslim fighting jihad. So they're as Muslim as Obama is American, meaning they're not at all. It's BS. They're you know I, it's like I say my kind of Muslim Muslims are fake Muslims. You know they they pretend to be Muslims, but they're absolutely not in any fundamental way. Um, if I could read a little something, because I'm gonna, it, it's something that I wrote in 2010 when DC sold out uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman mm-hmm. for the express purpose of selling Islam. So I wrote, uh, you know, at the time, I, I, had a, I had a poster called Superman Submits, and he's uh, praying, and there's a crest behind him. And it says, DC Comics has pimped out Bat, uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman to a Muslim comic book publisher in order to sell Islam as something universally good. Uh, and then uh, I make the point that it's one thing for DC Comics to avoid the reality of jihad in their comic book universe, quite another to allow the big three superhero icons to be used to, to sell today's big lie, which is Islam means peace. I know comic books are meant to be fantasy, but having 99 super-powered Muslims who are not engaged in jihad is simply un- un-Islamic, according to Islam. If if you had a devout Muslim get superpowers super and in the Marvel Universe, he would try to take over the world. He wouldn't fight. <laughs> he, he, he wouldn't go and fight alongside
2: Jewish okay, so, and Christian
3: superheroes. So, and
2: so one thing that you're saying is that these comics are, by nature, misrepresenting uh, what Islam is.
3: On the, on, by purpose, on purpose. Because the fact is this. What Islam is, is unacceptable. It is evil. So they're trying to, in a sense, mainstream evil by something that it's not. You know, Islam is good, too. It's not. It's evil. And any devout Muslim is evil. Uh, The half-assed Muslims, the uh, non-devout Muslims, the quote-unquote moderate Muslims. Yeah, they're not evil.
2: Evil in the sense of advocating, violating the rights of non-Muslims.
3: Fundamentally in every single way. Yeah. I mean, you know. uh, And women. Especially women. Women are a necessary evil in Islam. They can uh, potentially do good by bringing in male Muslim heirs, period. That's it
2: couple comments over here at the chat room john Kenny advises everybody to check out dr. bill warner's oh, short book on the hadith which is organized by
5: yes subject. And,
3: and just for record uh bill warner i met him great guy he loved my piece uh, called um my name is bosch and i'm a recovered muslim uh he loved I and mean, he's, he's a great guy and I absolutely recommend that i read also uh, uh his his abridged quran which takes out all the repetitions which are a ton of them uh so i just you know i me, I was, you know, born and raised Muslim uh, by quote-unquote, you know. Well, not devout Muslim, let's say. But I fell in love with superhero comics since five years old. My brother brought them home from the green store, we called it. And uh, fortunately, I, I was born and raised here in America, in the Bronx, where Islamic values were, were not a part of our lives at all. And then 9-11 happens, and I, I say, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to create uh, an anti-Jihad superhero. Pigman ended up being. it wears pigskin leather. And for the last... Dozen years, um, comics have not, have avoided uh, jihad. The closest they got, I think, was having Captain America fight some semi-jihadist looking guys but uh, those guys wanted him to apologize basically for what America did and uh, America, I think he did apologize to some extent, which is sick.
2: Well, and then there's Frank Miller who was going yeah. to have Batman go after Al-Qaeda but couldn't even get that no, done couldn't. within mainstream at, But comics. at the
3: same time, you know, Batman is unfit to fight Al-Qaeda. Batman has a code, I do not kill. How the hell can you put Batman against Al-Qaeda? You can't do it.
2: Well, so here, here's, here's a question, Bosh. So if comics did offer you know Ms. I mean for, for, I think Ms. having Ms. Marvel taken over and be, become Muslim is probably going to be objectionable, no matter yeah. what to somebody who is you know but a fan but then there's... But, but, he, but here's the question like suppose they had a new female Muslim superhero like this, somebody made a comic like this, you know there's free speech, let them do it, no yeah, problem fine. but if they also did have some superheroes actually fighting the jihad of course fighting against jihad, of course. That's admirable. That would be better, right? Of course. If you've
3: got, you got, quote, unquote, Muslims, right, going after evil Muslims with jihadists and, and trying to you know, defeat them, it's still a contradiction. They cannot do it, Islamically speaking. But if they're Westerners, if they're semi-rational, if they have gone away from that, fine. But not, they not, they not avoid even, it.
2: Not, not even necessarily having Muslims go after jihadists. I'm, I'm, you, I'm, wait,
3: I'm talking about the Muslim superheroes. Right,
2: right, right. But, but I think what, what, <laughs> right,
3: right, what you've
2: complained about is that they don't have any Anybody, superhero. Zero going after jihadists in comics. No. And that this is in stark contrast to what was going on in World War II. Tell me about what was going well, on World in World War II, War II. Captain
3: America, his debut. Captain America number one, punching Hitler in the jaw, knocking him out. That's where America was. Uh, Batman fought Nazis. Superman fought Nazis. I think Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman, they all did because they were all on board. Of, uh, I mean, from that, and as I write, U.S. Comics of Wartime, from kicking evil's ass to kissing evil's ass, I mean, this is uh, the, it's the the Islamization of comics. It's just it's shocking. It, it really is. If you understand Islam and understand what they're doing, it's absolute evil. And you've got this hack named Dan Slott. He's a current writer of Amazing Spider-Man. He basically wrote on the, on the Twitter that when he reads these blog posts that are against the superhero, when he sees how angry they are, he's, he thinks the more... He basically thinks... Uh, how do you put it?
2: Like the, the more he knows it's the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah.
3: And... Uh, and I, you know, I wrote back, I said, oh, so during World War II, we should have had German, Japanese, and Italian superheroes, because it would have pissed off Americans. Uh, he's a hack. I mean, he's, he's a coward.
2: Now, now, the devil's advocate argument there, which I think uh, someone posted yeah. on Facebook, right, uh, John? Yes. Yeah. Said that suppose he believes in his heart of hearts.
1: Well, well it's a lie. He but...
2: believes in his heart of hearts that people misunderstand and that Muslims could be good people too. Well, you know what? And, and they're, they're, they're just a bunch of bigoted people. One thing and I will so say that, And so that basically they're going to deal with the bigotry through this I never moment. deal
3: with people's ignorance. I mean, this guy is talking out of his ass because if he actually believes that, then he doesn't know Islam. So therefore, if he doesn't know Islam, he shouldn't say a word. You know, I spent years studying a religion that I was born into. But the only thing, the only time I read the Quran is after, after I left Islam. I did my homework before I opened my mouth. And that's what people should do. And this idiot didn't. And that's why he can say something like that.
2: We've got a phone call here. Let's go ahead and take it. See who's who's this? Hi. Hi, Amy and Bosh. It's Robert. Hey, Robert. Hi, Robert. Are you calling about our Muslim superhero?
1: Well, not a Muslim superhero, but I'm calling out the topic, because <laughs> there's no such thing. That's a contradiction of terms. Okay. And it's quite a disgusting one. Uh, like yeah. Bosch, I have a, a real interest in, in superheroes, and even if you try to sugarcoat this as much as you can, can, can you imagine like a, a purely Christian superhero or a purely yeah. Jewish Superhero, how they would ostracize. Of course, there'd be people who would who would flock to it, but we yep. know those kinds of people. And and but they would ostracize their their dedicated paying audiences, the ones who actually made uh, superheroes successful. And I think that it's it's absolutely a travesty, and it's just one more case of a gigantic evasion. Where we're not allowed to name the enemy, not allowed to name who we're fighting, pretend that who is not at war with us when they do not um, sugarcoat the fact that they are at war with us, and, and I just think it's another a very consistent direction that we're going in across the board, and and it's scary.
2: You know, I've got to I've got to find the link from Bosch. There was a video, and I saw a clip of it that he played for me, and it was all of these Muslims at a conference. It was supposed to be a conference dedicated to peace yes. or something like that, and there was a guy there who basically said, hey, we're you know, just normal, run-of-the-mill Muslims, and don't we agree with you know, death to infidels and all these different things? And they're all raising their hand 4, in their agreement.
3: Muslims were there. and,
2: and there's a bunch of Muslims saying basically that they are offended by the fact that people are misrepresenting them and saying that they don't believe in that stuff because they do.
3: It was so naked. It was pretty wild. I mean, mm-hmm. to actually see this happen, the, the, uh, they were open about it, and they were smiling, and they were talking about killing human beings, having them butchered for their beliefs. Yeah. And they were totally on board with that. And these guys are not technically jihadists, but they support it. Fun, I mean, they support it.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I, I think any time you have something, a significant cultural element like comic books misrepresenting the nature of an ideology that is anathema to our way of life. I mean, we are going to object to it. And I don't know if you've heard about this, but, I mean, every news outlet said, oh, this is new, this is different, let's talk about this. I heard about it on NPR. It was all over. Yeah.
3: It was all over. And, uh, you know, if you want to look at at a a true Muslim superhero, there's the supervillain in my comic named Super Jihad, who's the enemy of Pigman. What a Muslim superhero is. He kills right. infidels. He hunts them down.
2: Mm-hmm. He wants
3: to wipe mm-hmm. out the West. That's what a Muslim superhero is, technically.
2: If there are people who are listening here on Block Talk Radio, and they would like a nice little one-hour episode of my show that would give them a sense of the content of Islam, I questioned at length, and I, I think I was pretty thorough. Oh, very good. I, I, I questioned Robert Spencer. He is a mm-hmm. scholar of Islam and, and the head of Jihad Watch, the web, has website Jihad Watch. If you search Amy Peekoff, Robert Spencer or something. Even if you just search Robert Spencer on, on Track Radio, you, this episode will probably come up. It's from 2011, but this material doesn't date because the Quran's not going anywhere. I suggest people listen to that because I went through, I led a little reading group, and we read the Quran from cover to cover and went through the commentary, and then I asked Robert Spencer an hour's worth of questions. And, and I was satisfied that if people are truly adhering to this Religion, As explained in the Quran, you know, as supplemented a little bit by some of the uh, hadiths and stuff like that, that they would actually seek the harm of infidels, as they call them, non-Muslims. They're certainly not going to be our friends. No. uh, And I'm I'm sure they're not going to be portrayed as as Ms. Marvel is going to be portrayed. No. Yeah.
3: Should we portray us as some average American and, and the, the disgusting editor, one of the editor the editor in chief, uh, Axel Alonso, he said, She's like uh, Peter Parker, you know? She's like Peter Parker. Peter Parker who was created by an atheist Steve Ditko, co created. So she's like Peter Parker. And that's just that's just
1: uh, I, Yeah, if I could I was going to draw a contrast and how comics how comics are perceived by by the general public that it's something it's something that usually younger younger people uh, go to as like a first means of re- uh, both reading and seeing their heroes.
3: I'm sorry, Robert. And one second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just one second. I made that point in in this one uh, piece called Superman. Superman submits, and it is exactly right. The insidiousness of them going after the youth with this. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. I'm sorry. Going.
1: Uh, sure, uh, no problem, boss. Because yeah, you're you're echoing my point. But you take a guy like Steve Ditko, and in a better in a better culture, he was able to publish uh, first with Marvel, first with a you know a big a big uh, comic uh, house, yeah. uh, Spider-Man, you know co-creator of Spider-Man, and then do his own more more radical uh, Mr. A and and his more objectivist type uh, superheroes. But now that's—it's almost like that era has passed. And except for except for Bosch uh, himself, who's fighting a one-man battle, it, the the industry seems to be closed to to newcomers slash radical ideas, radical good ideas, and they're just going the way that the rest of the culture is, which which is just accepting lethargically the direction that well maybe well, maybe there is some good in these muslims and maybe we right. have to find a way to live with them and get along and placate them so let's water down the evil and yep. turn them into a superhero so i think it's it's really uh really a bad sign of of all the different things, bad signs in the culture this one really strikes at home because it's the youth and it's an idealistic youth that they that they're targeting yeah and Ex- exactly because
3: those Kids who who go follow you know superheroes. I mean, they they want they want to be engaged with heroes. They want to see you know heroic action. They want to are you know and they're basically telling them this evil is not evil. It's good. It's, mm-hmm. it's just like you. And uh, yep. the youth aspect. Uh, I just it, and one thing also when you say and it's true, Marvel. Do you know that they're trying to sell this as quote unquote controversial and risky? Mm-hmm. And the Muslim writer yeah. said, "Is it controversial?" It's like what's the controversy? You know why? Because there is no mention Zero about what Islam is And there's no mention of uh, jihadists Zero, they ignore it And you know, it's like they have over 100 now Literally over 100 mo- uh, Muslim superheroes In comics, there's a comic called The 99, which, which has actually 99 Muslim superheroes And there's not one That fights jihad Not one There's mm-hmm. not one that even, even acknowledges the existence of jihad And that's why they're being created In order to uh, deny the existence of jihad To deny that actual Islam is evil Actual
1: Muslim
0: are mm-hmm.
1: you? Right. And that they're actually at war with us. I mean, right. that's the gross evasion that's going on here in this in this whole in this whole context that we're pretending that radical Islam, who who leads all of Islam, moderate Islam follows radical Islam blindly, that they are not at war with us. And and here's yet another example of it.
3: Yeah. you know, I'm currently writing a piece for PJ Media. It basically deals with uh, how many truths that mainstream comics have to avoid in order to promote uh, Muslim superheroes.
2: Robert, thanks mm-hmm. for your call. We're going to take a few comments here from the chat room. First of all, we've got, we've got a question, the devil's advocate question for you, Bosch. Do you think that so-called half-assed Muslims, as <laughs> 72521 puts it, are the half-assed Muslims afraid of full-ass ones? Yes, yeah?
3: absolutely, because they know they're, they're the real deal it's not just that they're afraid of them because they kill people. They know that, my God, I am part of an evil religion, and I'm going to pretend I'm not. I'm just going to focus on the good aspects of it and never, ever admit that I'm, you know, that I'm really... Uh, sorry, I will pretend that those guys are actually not Muslims when I really know that they are. And that's the, the sick thing also. Um, you know, I, I wrote something also about, uh, about this idea where I can see behind the scenes almost, I know the way Muslims work. I know, you know, I know them personally. Um, very devious. And this is the, the ones who are a little more devout than Daniel, Is the ones that I've known. And those Muslims, uh, the Muslim editor in Marvel, I can see how she rolled Marvel. I can almost see, I can almost picture it. Because she's counting on the fact that these guys are gutless cowards, the leftists. And when she, when, when she introduces the idea of a Muslim superhero, are they going to say, oh, we can't do that? No, because they're afraid. They're like, okay, we'll do that. That's it. Right. So they've they got they, rolled they over.
2: They don't want to be seen as racist no. bigots or things like that. And, they, and thanks, one thing uh, also. thanks thanks to Daniel, by the way, over here in the Blog Talk Radio chat room. He has shared the link to the episode in which That's I interviewed thanks, Daniel. Robert Spencer. So it was thanks, great. thanks very much. Oh, wait, and he's got the corrected link here. That
3: and great. Uh, Amy actually asked Robert a question he never got before. It and was, It was great. It was a question about, do you think Muhammad was an atheist? Right. And Robert was like, Probably There
2: were parts of the Quran that seemed so blatantly ridiculous to me that I imagine that the person who wrote it could not have possibly yes. believed in God con in man. any traditional sense.
3: I mean, he was an absolute con man. Yeah. Um, something else, uh, I, I said, Marvel DC submits to Islam. I said, question for Marvel and DC Comics. This is at, at large. You know, I, know you're both, I know you both introduced a number of Muslim superheroes in your, in your, in your comic since 9-11, but would you ever consider introducing Muslim supervillains as well? Now, keep that in mind also, they won't even acknowledge jihadists, but not even that. Uh, They will not even acknowledge that there are people, quote, unquote, betraying Islam and that these Muslim superheroes will fight them because they betrayed Islam. They will not even go there because it's so obvious that these guys are actual living, breathing, -breathing fire-breathing Muslims.
2: They're not that brave. You know, supposedly what they're doing is controversial, but it's the most cowardly (laughs) instantiation (laughs) of portraying Islam that they could have.
3: You know what? I was – I'm called a lot of names, you know, courageous and heroic and all that, and that's always appreciated, but I'm not – all I'm doing is telling the truth. And if telling the truth is heroic, my man, we are in a terrible, terrible state. Uh, I'm telling the truth in story form in The Infidel with Pigman. It, to me, this was the natural reaction after 9-11. I knew I would respond to it, tell the heroic story against the evil jihadists. The evil, you know, And I, I, it's so shocking to me that a dozen years later, I'm the only one actually doing it consistently. There were a few other. Frank Miller did do the one against jihad and it's it's long gone now it's it's 2 years old and i i don't think he's going to continue the series this is a series that i will continue uh it's it's been very very difficult to get to to gain traction especially when you are you know when your existence is ignored uh, by the mainstream media by uh by by marvel
2: by mainstream e- comics by yeah. mainstream
3: comics they it's not that they even want to fight against Pigman. they do not want to acknowledge the existence of Pigman. i mean that that's impossible to them so therefore they ignore and uh so I just, you know, I'm I'm writing this piece for PJ. It's taking a while. I'm trying to get it all in order. This is my, basically, my last big response to the Islamization of comics. And it's something that I'm going to do a, something, I think, pretty funny. It's like, okay, we've seen Marvel's version of Muslim superhero. Super. We've seen DC's version of Muslim superhero. Now let's see Islam's version of superhero. Besides Super Jihad I have a character called Islam Man. And you'll see what he does. And it's 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 mocking it, but it's also taken seriously. This is what a Muslim superhero would do.
2: Do you um, expect Miss Marvel to sell? No,
3: at all. And even people don't. Even people who are cheering it on say, "Well, it probably won't sell." But you know what? Good for Marvel. Good for them. And this one even, guy said, "Even
2: with all this exposure, no, it doesn't matter." NPR, else, no, because it's, it's, it's a lie.
3: Okay. Lies don't sell. You know, on that level, they don't. I mean, people can smell it a mile away, and they know firsthand experience. Say, what the hell is this crap? But they, people, they people
2: voted for Obama.
3: Yeah, they did. Mm. Uh, he actually got, you know, he... Um...
2: The, the other thing well, is, is... Hold
3: on a second. Who, who did he go up against? Obama? Yeah. Okay.
2: Can't even remember these people, these, these milk toasts.
3: And I appreciate Robert. I really do. Uh, but I, again, how sad is it that if you merrily, you know, tell the truth, if you story tell the truth, even, uh, you're considered, uh, I don't know, something... That you don't consider yourself to be, and it's not even to downplay what I'm doing. No, I'm not. I, I just don't feel comfortable with that idea. Where you, well, it's it's like what was it? Uh, something someone else said it recently. Someone referred to themselves as heroic or something. I, I forgot what it was, but it was like I don't think in those terms at all. Uh, Ayn Rand was called a hero, and she was called a genius, and she resisted and said, "Look, I'm just
2: more honest." More honest. Yeah.
3: And that's how I see it.
2: I love I love her quotation where she says, "I have to be honest because I don't have the courage
3: to be dishonest." Yeah. She
2: says, "I see the consequences too clearly." It's just it's, it's
3: it's powerful. The
2: consequences of this are that they are whitewashing, misrepresenting evil. what evil is in this country. Just as Barack Obama has said that we're going to call the Fort Hood massacre workplace <laughs> violence, they are also. Uh, whitewashing the enemy and making us therefore more susceptible to it. You know, one thing I wanted to mention was it's a kind of an integration of of two big stories that we've talked about today so far. Remember, Obama said that the reason he regrets the you know misrepresentation, his lie, is out and out, flat out lies he regrets it because getting those letters in the in the mail is mm. scary <laughs> that's
5: right. so
2: so it's, it's people's emotions that are proving something to him that he actually has to go out there and do this fix or whatever yeah. he thinks he's doing uh, you know uh, uh, they're scared you know that that's the thing it's not that his program is wrong. That it's wrong right. to point guns at people. So similarly, you said Stott. It was that uh, he was an editor, or no, he's a writer of Dad Spider-Man. Darren Flott. Flott, Flott. He, okay, just keep so, my also. So he, says, he says the fact that people are angry yeah. means something significant as to yeah, whether this exactly. is this is right proof or wrong, right?
3: That this
4: is and, good.
2: And and your response to him shows that look, mere anger <laughs> and emotion doesn't say anything. Nothing. The whole point Zero. is what is that emotion based on, and you know, emotions are value of things and also that one are thing, meaningful to
3: also us. this fanciful mm-hmm. notion like this guy, is, uh he supports it, right? Where the hell's his Muslim superhero? He's been in business for years. Where the hell's his where is where are the old guys who promote this and they have the power to produce these comics? Where are their Muslim superheroes? Even they don't put their money with the mouth to say, okay, I'm going to actually write one, even they don't do it. Uh, Grant Morrison, who's uh, a writer in comic books who said he basically did every joke and known to man, and you could you could tell by some of his writing. He tried to basically write a love letter to Islam, Rap 9-11. He, he, he came out as a pacifist, Rap 9-11, what does that mean? It means he's a coward, and he wants to hide behind pacifism. And DC wouldn't even let him go that far, so they turned to some kind of Hindu type of comic, something, and it bombed out, you know. But even he tried to push it, and uh, he said to Frank Miller, oh yeah, you want to have Batman fight Jihadists? Why don't you go fight Jihadists, you know? And uh, Frank Miller's a cartoonist, as am I. We're not soldiers, We're not going to go out there. Um, you know, if you support someone, you have to go out there in the trenches. No. It's like if you support gay marriage, you have to marry a guy. No, you don't have to. You can support it without doing that. So these, these guys are idiots. But I just guess I get incensed, and in particular this thing, because we are, again, we're, going, we're so far away from where we need to be to fight this enemy, first of all, and to fight it culturally. If you had comics out there, and I mean if you had comics out there and movies out there fighting the jihadists, and they were popular. These thinking politicians in Washington would say, you know what? we got to get on board. we to actually got to stop these guys from killing Americans. It's important. And I but learned that from watching a movie. It's
2: the whole which came first, right? I mean, I, I think it's going to have to come through the culture first because the politicians are so darn corrupt. Of course. And, and, as, and a,
3: as, as I just said, but, though, if the culture was yeah, healthier, then yeah. they have to abide by it. They're, they're not leaders. They're followers.
2: I, I do think that Ted Cruz is... Unique and, and speaking strongly, for instance, against Iran getting yeah. nuclear weapons and things like that as, as a real danger. What he would actually do remains to be seen, but yeah, it's got to come from the culture. To. And today, the culture is all about appeasing this evil. And
3: man. I'm and I'm seeing it as I am seen as evil. I'm, I've been called evil. I've been called a terrorist, literally,
2: so if you, for the work I do. So if people would like to actually support a cartoon. You know, cartoonist, comic a comic book that takes on jihad. Go check out The Infidel over at Bosch's website, Foston.blogspot.com. The Infidel is available on Comixology, yeah, which, which is, is the, the world's
3: premier leading digital comic book reader. Digital it's it's book fantastic. Reader, yeah. I mean, I you know, I credit them big time for doing it because who knows? I mean, there was there was another company which, which rejected it. Well, all companies rejected it. I'm talking about another digital uh, company, but uh, they have uh, they have the balls to take this on. And, you know, they don't have to support it ideologically. And they, they say, okay, we accept it. So, so basically, it, it, on their website, you'll have the Muslim superhero and you'll have the actually anti-jihad superhero with the Muslim superhero, which is super, super jihad supervillain.
2: So at least they're presenting both.
3: Yes, they are. Yeah. Good, you know, kudos to them, big time. Because, you know, now I have a little more visibility, you know, so we'll see.
5: It's been you know, it
2: would be nice is if they just conveniently juxtapose the two on their page I mean, when Ms. Perfect. Marvel came out. Say, okay, well, here's the pro-Islam, yeah. and if you want to see the anti-Islam, yeah. check this out. And you
3: know what people uh, accuse me of being anti-Islam? I'm proudly anti-Islam. Yeah. absolute proudly anti-Islam. It's not just I'm anti-Islam, I'm anti-Islam.
2: Islamophobe.
3: You know, I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know, again, our problem, America's problem, is not Islamophobia, quote-unquote, which is created by, uh, by uh, the felt jihadists. It's Islamophilia. And that's what Marvel's doing. They're in on it. They're pushing an the evil. And it's unacceptable in a medium that is meant to be heroes versus villains, versus villains week after week. Un- unacceptable.
2: Headline over at Drudge, Dems turn on Obamacare. No, you, they don't. I'll bet you any money it's too little too late. No, but and no, they don't. it is just as Pelosi revealed for the purpose of elections.
3: Yes, I mean, that's it. Yes. Uh, if they make it through those elections, Obamacare is the greatest thing in the world next day.
2: I do want to discuss a story that was the headline in Dredge a little while ago. I think. Wait Dredge, a minute! I, I just started. You just started. I just started. All right, guys. <laughs> enough, okay. enough for now. Let's talk about my particular axe that I like to grind. And this was a story from New York Times that was the headline on Dredge earlier. Dredge was, I guess, taken with the fact that 39 Democrats voted for that bill in the House. But like I said, I am not at all optimistic about any bill that is really going to significantly undo Obamacare ever getting signed into law by Obama. But moreover, I think that he will have significantly expanded the entitlement program to such a large extent that he will have gotten what he wanted anyway. Let's go to privacy. And, of course, your privacy is lost under Obamacare too, but CIA says in the New York Times, the CIA collects global data on transfers of money says the Central Intelligence Agency is secretly collecting bulk records of international money transfers handled by companies like Western Union, including transactions into and out of the United States under the same law that the NSA uses for its huge database of Americans' phone records, according to current and former government officials. The CIA financial records program, which officials said was authorized by the Patriot Act and overseen by the FISA court, offers evidence that the extent of government data collection programs is not fully known and that the national debate over privacy and security may be incomplete. Some details of the CIA program says the story were not clear, they say, but it's confirmed by several current and former officials who, of course, spoke on the condition of anonymity because the matter is classified. Uh, The data doesn't include purely domestic transfers or bank-to-bank transactions. They've got that someplace else, probably. Uh, Another, while not acknowledging the program, suggested that the surveillance court had imposed rules withholding the identities of any Americans from the data the CIA sees. Ha-ha. How well do you think that works when they say, oh – just withhold the, the identity of the Americans. They talk that about, you know, it's like anonymized data and that it could be re-identified later if they can go ahead and run a certain algorithm on it. Anyway, it says they, they, it requires a tie to a terrorist organization before any search may be run, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is the whole idea that in order to find the needle in the haystack, they have to have the haystack. So they're going to have this huge database and they say, oh, well, we're not going to search the database unless there's a tie to a terrorist organization. But we're entitled to all of your private information in this database. Oh, don't worry. You can trust us with this information. No problem. And, and we won't look at it. We promise not to look at it unless, you know, one of our employees has a crush on you or, you know, we just made a mistake with a typo. Then, yeah, we might get some information by accident, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's my axe to grind here? Again, all of this is possible because the courts hold that the Fourth Amendment does not apply to the information in these transactions. They say, oh, this is only metadata and that this is metadata that you share with a so-called third party right. and the third party is your bank. And so in Fourth Amendment jurisprudence, in the doctrines that the courts use when they adjudicate, you know, adjudicate cases, Under the Fourth Amendment, that doctrine says that once you share information like this with a third party, you no longer have a reasonable expectation of privacy in it. And then if that company turns the information over to the CIA, it's not a search. CIA collecting all this data is not a search, according to the Fourth Amendment. Why? Because of the third party doctrine. The third party doctrine has got to go. As I have said on this show time and again, as I have written, I have an article coming out in St. John's Law Review about this, arguing that this third party doctrine has got to go. And I argue that it is possible to still have secret agents, government informants, all those cool things without the third party doctrine. You do not need to have the third-party doctrine. Uh, But if you're going to be brave enough to do that, and nobody has the stomach to do the stuff that I advocate, right? The GOP does not have the stomach to get all those people off Medicaid. And legal scholars would not have the stomach probably to advocate what I advocate for, which is that our right to privacy is not a distinct right. It's not some separate right to this thing called privacy, this state of privacy. What in fact should be protected more than it is today are your rights to property and contract how do you create states of privacy through your right to property through your right to contract my right to contract with my bank should protect the financial privacy of my information so long as the government doesn't have a search warrant or its equivalent the government needs to have probable cause or particularized suspicion before they go rooting around in my financial information. Before they make my financial information part of the haystack in which they hope to find a needle without profiling right. anybody. Right. They yeah. won't. And, and this goes back. I mean, this ties into what we were talking about with Bosch. They want to whitewash this religion. They don't want to offend anybody by saying, "Hey, you know, we might." profile people according to their professed religious beliefs when that religion is one that wishes us harm. Excellent. Instead, they would rather violate privacy rights of everyone and the so called third party doctrine just gives them an avenue to do this easily. And we see almost daily the consequences and the loss of privacy that this third party doctrine does. That doctrine needs to be repealed. And and now I was talking with Bosch about this the other day and I can't remember apropos of what but we were talking about Rand Paul and Rand Paul had mentioned the third-party doctrine in an interview where on Fox but I actually think that he doesn't fully understand the third-party doctrine they if they could just pass a piece of legislation in which they say we hereby nullify the third-party doctrine Mm not oh we want to put additional controls on the NSA or we want to make the FISA court stuff a little more public or whatever You need to eliminate the third-party doctrine along the lines of what I recommend, and then we would actually have protection from the government of our privacy. Of course, that whole Utah data center would be moot. I mean, you wouldn't need all that stuff. I mean, what is that made for? That is made for having a huge haystack and running searches on a huge haystack of data about all Americans Mm -hmm. indiscriminately. So that's my ax to grind on on privacy that I normally do. So now you've got Bosch on Muslim Superhero. You've got me on privacy. You do have organizations like the ACLU that are fighting this. It says the ACLU is fighting a, a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit for documents related to Section 215 of the Patriot Act, the provision that allows the government to compel companies to turn over business records, so-called business records, for counterterrorism purposes. After the government declassified the NSA phone records programs, it has released many documents about this in response to the suit. So good for you, ACLU. ACLU, could you please get the third-party doctrine overturned while you're doing this? And not just quibble about whether the government is violating the provisions of the Patriot Act or whether the Patriot Act should be amended in a certain way or whether we just need a little bit more transparency about this. If Everything's totally transparent, and you're told by the government that you have no privacy at any right. time, all the time. How does that help you? <laughs> how, how in the hell does that help you? So, there's uh, there's me. Any any reaction there, boss?
3: No, I'm still I'm still you know winding <laughs> down from the Muslim Supreme. Sorry,
2: Elliot in the chat room says that privacy is a form of currency, the strength of the trust for the depth of the secret. Government violates it all by rendering your trust read your judgment irrelevant uh, we have we have no right to judge whom we could trust with our information anymore because all of those people are being compelled to yeah. turn it over to the government and as I talked about on my show last week again my show last week wasn't as interesting and energetic because Bosch wasn't here it was that's, just, me. that's just all there was to I it. Heard it. Well, I enjoyed it. well thank you uh, but what I talked about a bit towards the end was I was talking about Apple and Google and other companies who are saying, we are fed up with not being able to tell the American people the extent to which we're being asked to turn over their private data. And when they say, oh, well, we've had, you know, between 1,000 and 3,000 requests and we've turned over between zero and 1,000 accounts worth of information or whatever it was, their constraints about what they can actually tell us are really stringent and kudos to them for objecting to it and sure. being our advocates at least to that extent. Uh, people at least are aware of the issue and they are putting pressure on companies a little bit. There's a little bit of market pressure on them and they would like to be able to advertise themselves as the ones that are advocating and fighting for your has, privacy. Has
3: Rand Paul brought it up since then?
2: Because, you know, he'll, yeah, he, he'll
3: say certain things that are good and rational, yeah. but he doesn't say them often enough where you question why he said it in the first well, place.
2: The last thing I – I don't know what's going on here. Um, the last thing that I read about him – did I hit so, a wrong button yeah, somewhere? Yeah, prob-
3: well, probably something to do with Skype. It, okay. it sounded like a Skype,
0: it, sounds, it sounds like yeah. a Skype
2: thing, yeah. The last thing that I, I heard from him is that he is advocating the legislation that is going to put more controls on what the NSA can do, but not out-and-out repeal. The third-party doctrine <laughs> let's see here on the on the privacy issue someone says that we do we see the film the fifth estate no i haven't no. seen it but it exposes the government cover but that would be yeah. good, good probably for for us to see yeah yeah we've got and, uh,
3: th- you know thanks again for, for your kind words robert i do appreciate it. i really do um but i understand where i come from as well but but thank you
2: Yeah, Robert was talking about how heroic Bosch is to be the one out there, the only one out there, who is actually fighting jihad in comics. Really. Even though Frank Miller sort of, kind of, maybe a little bit did, but not so much. Let's try to end here on a good note and actually when I first got this story I said hip-hip-hooray yay this is awesome this is so cool what we may have to do is in the last couple of minutes of the show I'm gonna to have to play that YouTube video from Stas from uh, Nebraska in order to get to. a real up note here but look look at this story Bosch it says David Cameron is calling for capitalism lessons in schools to celebrate profits in the classroom David Cameron.
3: T- to celebrate profits, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Profits? No,
2: not profits. Capitalism. Well, well,
3: hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> David, David Cameron has said this, and since you brought it up, I put, uh, I put the U-K, but I put uh, F in front of it, C after the U, and E-D after K because – UK Prime Prime Minister David Cameron says that the Kenya Jihad massacres, when they were going on, quote, don't represent Islam or Muslims in, in, in Britain or anywhere else in the world. He also said once, it is mainstream Britain which needs to integrate more with the Muslim way of life, not the other way around. This is who David Cameron is. So go on.
2: So he's definitely, definitely wrong there. And as we see, if we actually read the article, his advocacy of capitalism and profit is very qualified Mm. qualified in the usual adam smith sense of invisible hand it's going to bring the greatest good for the greatest number etc says the prime minister this is the the subheading of the story that i have from mirror uk i've linked to it over at my blog don't let it go dot com just go to my blog and you can see all the program notes for today's show the stories that we've discussed Says the prime minister said he wanted a fundamental change in attitudes to money making and called for a culture quote that values that typically British entrepreneurial buccaneering spirit. Sounds good. Yeah, it sounds great, huh? He's called for capitalism to be taught in schools, says the article. He says he wants the fundamental change, etc. He's speaking at the Lord Mayor's banquet in the city. He called for a culture, quote, that values the typically British entrepreneurial buccaneering spirit. Sounds great. He says that the Tories would make sure that business was, quote, promoted in schools, taught in colleges, celebrated in communities. So he also signaled that austerity would drag on under the Tories, i.e. lower government spending. That sounds good. He says we need to do more with less permanently. Also sounds good. Uh, Then it says the prime minister's remarks will be seized on by labor as a further sign that he's dragging the Tories to the right. How dare him. Also sounds good. Uh, It says, but Mr. Cameron says that Britain needed to, quote, listen to this, They need to, quote, support, reward, and celebrate enterprise. Why? Uh Why? Yes. To pay for public services. Yes. That's it. Mr. Cameron, welcome to the GOP here in the United States because most members of the GOP, to the extent extent that they promote free market measures, they promote – Lifting up the constraints, you know, reducing the regulatory burden on business in the United States to the extent go. that they do that, they want to do it so that they can generate economic growth and means. so that they can keep the current level of un- of government spending up. Because how dare they cut anything, right. right? That's immoral. He realizes that regulation, that anti-profit motive culture, is. Serving as a drag. I mean, they can't tax as much if people aren't producing as much.
0: Like, so they are. Hey,
2: hey, you know, we we got we got to support this. Help Why? Because it's going to help some, us pay for public yeah, services.
3: help me, uh, help me with the welfare state, my man. Make some money so I can take it. Make and take.
2: Listen to this. He says a culture that's on the side of those who work hard, that values that typically British entrepreneurial buccaneering spirit, and that rewards people with the ambition to make things, sell things, and create jobs for others up and down the country. The you know, last
3: time they had a real man in office it was Margaret Thatcher. I mean, think about that. <laughs> I mean, really. It's sick.
2: So he wants to put business, quote, at the heart of government's economic policy. But again, it's a means to an end for him.
5: Yes. The end is to <laughs> exactly pay right.
2: for the public services. Uh, he says, we're also making enterprise a fundamental part of our foreign policy. Why? Because if British companies make money abroad, then they can be taxed more and pay for those great public services. He's taking a business delegation to China in December. Uh, He wants to give a new electronic visa waiver system for businessmen. So, I mean, bravo. He's lifting the controls off of business, and he's advocating people actually looking at the profit motive in a more positive light than it's been looked at before. But, He is not challenging the basic principle at the bottom of it, which is this idea of altruism, the idea that the duty is to serve the greatest good for the greatest number. He just happens to observe something that is true, and that is that a free market happens to serve the greatest good for the greatest number. That is not its moral justification. The moral justification of leaving businessmen free to do business as they see fit is that government Just like everything else, you know, government more than anybody else should not be initiating force against anyone. And all regulation, again, regulation is using government force in advance of showing that a company's ever done anything wrong. You're telling them that they have to do business as you see fit simply because you see it a certain way, not because they've done anything wrong. I have no problem with a government that redresses initiation of force or fraud by companies. Not at all. But not this. But here he is. He's he's saying, yeah, we, we want to lift the regulations. We want to make it a little bit easier for people to do business. Not not because I actually believe they have a right to be left free <laughs> right. or anything like that, but because it's going to help pay for public yes.
3: services. Not yeah. for them,
2: yeah. but for bums. The other thing that he's talked about, and I don't know anything about this because I don't keep up regularly with all kinds of news in the U.K. I actually thank people in the U.K. because they keep up with U.S. news better than we do,
0: yes, do. half
2: the time. But I understand that Cameron is going to reform press regulation in a certain way. And basically he's saying that there's intimidation of journalists in Sri Lanka, and he wants to address that, but that at the same time, there's reforms to press regulation. Um, I don't know, what, is the newspaper editors in Sri Lanka, they still want to be regulated? I have I have no idea. Um supposedly he wants to free it up. So actually maybe he's doing good there too. He's, he's going to free up the press in Sri Lanka. That would be great if so. But he's going and, and trying to push free market measures in Sri Lanka, and he's going to visit Sri Lanka despite the human rights violations there, and that's what the article is upset about. And what I say is, again, he is not promoting the free market no. because of a recognition of individual rights. For so the welfare is, states. Th- there is no contradiction between him saying, okay, let's go ahead and teach capitalism and respect for business in the classroom. Go
3: make as much money as you can make so we can siphon off a lot more. Yeah, that's it.
2: That's, it. that's what they want to do. Sick. And the Republicans here... In the United States are no different.
3: No, no Paul, they aren't.
2: Paul Ryan
3: oh, and his man. his
2: radical budget. Oh,
3: man. And he will not touch me- uh, Medicare, Medicaid. No, no, no. Those are Well, nasty. and that's
2: the whole point. Yeah. He says he won't touch Medicare, no. Medicaid. Obama yes. is congratulating himself. Do you as remember, far as I know, uh, Paul Ryan might,
3: might be some kind of stealth progressive. I mean, seriously. Yeah. You know, I mean, a, a progressive.
2: He's from Wisconsin.
3: Progressive uh, picked him as his running mate. Mitt Romney, yeah, a self-professed progressive, we call to so, 2001. Yeah. Anyway, going.
2: No, I was going to say, remember a few weeks ago when I was talking about, oh, you know, they only had a few people that signed up and right. maybe it was like an NBA finals game where the losing team, they made all these preparations to have their right, victory right, celebration right, with, the with their balloons, champagne and everything. Yeah. And then, So I was thinking maybe all those people at the Department of Health and Human Services <laughs> right. or whoever it was that was setting up this garbage, uh, you know, that they're ready for their big opening day celebration and all those people are going to sign up for Obamacare and then maybe they didn't have the champagne. My guess is they popped the corks on those bottles yes. because of all the people who signed up for Medicaid, yes. Medicare, Medicare. I think you're
3: right. And that's been under the radar. You're right. Yeah. I, I, I haven't heard anyone else mention it.
2: Robert NYC in the chat room says that Harry Binswanger wondered if your own Brooks recent talks in London had had an impact on Cameron. And maybe so, but again, not a fundamental impact. No,
3: no, this only so far. This guy
2: obviously doesn't understand. And again, right?
3: I, want, I want you to make a little more money, guys, but I'm going to take more. I mean, make more so we can take more and we, we can maintain this welfare state because that's the important moral thing here, right?
2: So I would say good news to a certain extent, not as good as I would no, he's want. A, he's a
0: hack politician. And so
2: here, here's what I want to do. Let's play a little bit of this before our time runs out.
0: I'm Ben Sasse. Candidate for U.S. Senate in Nebraska. Ben Sass. I'm just recording this video out on the campaign trail where we had a town hall last night in Imperial, Nebraska, a cattle town near the Colorado border. Just like my fellow citizens last night, I'm frightened by what occurred in Washington, D.C. yesterday. President Obama offered a supposed fix to Obamacare that would direct the secretary of HHS to let Americans keep their insurance policy. The president did not actually fix anything But he did provoke a constitutional crisis. Understand, President Obama cannot legally do what he proposed to do yesterday, and the media let him get away with claiming. He can't fix part of a law that he doesn't like by fiat. Our president is not a king. He doesn't get to make decrees. He doesn't even have a line-item veto under our current system of government. The only branch of government under our Constitution that has any power to change this law is the Congress. This debate is no longer only about health care, but has become much larger. It has morphed into a battle over transforming our constitutional system of separate, co-equal branches of government.
2: Okay, I'm going to stop there because we are about out of time, but bravo to Ben That's Sass excellent. for pointing this out. And I would say, moreover, this this, this debate about health care, yes, it is provoking issues of constitutional governance and what is the limits on the executive. This needs to be discussed more in the way that Ben Sass is doing. But I would also like to see a fundamental discussion about whether there is or is not a right to health care. And I would love to see Republicans unabashedly talking about that. We did just get a phone call here on the switchboard, but we have less than a minute left, so I'm afraid, I'm sorry, I don't have time to take it. Please do call in next week and talk to us on next week's show. We, we, we can take up a follow-up then. Thanks, everyone. Thanks
3: for listening. Yeah. And thanks for indulging me. I, I was, Believe me, I had another two hours left of me, but, you know.
2: If you uh, enjoy the show and you want to leave a comment, or even if you don't enjoy the show you want to leave a comment, go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com. There's a post for today's show where you can not only find the program notes, but leave a comment there. You can also find out how to buy the T-shirts that are for this show and then also for the Ayn Rand Bot on Twitter. Follow me on Bosch on Twitter, Bosch Faustin, Amy Peekoff. And if you do enjoy the show, always spread the word. Thank you very much, and have a great weekend. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
4: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.